You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Good evening and welcome to the Football Forums podcast. The host for tonight is myself, John. It's not Adele. Uh, and I'm joined tonight by Andy. Good evening, John. How are you doing? I'm all right. Yourself? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well. So, uh, First time I've ever done this is just uh, just two of us. So, Just the two of us. I should add a uh, maybe, maybe I should add some different music at the start then now. <laughs> so, bye, we've got a few kind of things to cover tonight. Kind of the usual agenda, we've got the, the charity bet to talk about from last week, where there's some good news for a change. Um, we're going to do a bit of the kind of lower league review as well. We'll do that before the Premier League chat. We've been doing that recently and it's kind of worked quite well. Um, the League Cup job is today in terms of the semi-final, so we'll give a wee bit of, kind of chat about that. Um, Celtic and their uh, efforts in Europe, if you can call it efforts. Uh, we've also got no predictions to make for next week because there's no Premier League card. And that should probably cover it. There'll be maybe a wee bit of other things in terms of whatever else has been happening in Scottish football. Um, Never a shortage of talking points. Exactly, exactly. So, as I, kind of said there, we'll start with the good points. Uh, Greg and Craig were on the podcast last week and they had two charity bets that they chose. The first goal scorer bet, which we always have, where I believe there was a bit of tossing involved to decide who uh, who they chose. I should add that was tossing of a coin and not anything else. <laughs> um, so they, they, the, the coin chose Martin Waghorn of Rangers, and that came in. So that was good news in that part. Uh, I think it was 12-5 to 5 were the odds for that one. And they went for a, an all-Premier League double with Hearts and St. Johnston, um, which both kind of won quite nicely. So... That double came in as well, and Craig and Greg, I believe, now have retired because they put some money on it themselves, so that's why they're not on tonight. They're away in the Cayman Islands celebrating. <laughs> so, I good news with the charity bet. I don't have the running totals, but I think we're probably around the, the 250 mark, which is not bad so far. I think last year we did, we made, made about £400, so we're only in November just now, so hopefully we can beat last year's total with that one. So, we'll have the charity bet, obviously, later on. We've not as many games to pick from because there's no Premier League card. There's only 10 games to pick from, but I'm sure we'll come up with something. Uh, no pressure on us to, to match last week, eh? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I've, I mean, there's not exactly much uh, much else Greg and Craig could have done better. So, um, yeah, we, we're going to live and die, live or die by this this decision. That's yeah. all. Aye, well, there's a few games. I'm sure there'll be a few players as well that we've kind of backed before that might be who we opt for, but we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Uh, so I will start with the lower league review. Uh, probably the championship's a good place to start because we know a bit more about the championship and what's happening. It's been not quite turned in its head by the result last week with Hibs and Rangers, but it's made it a wee bit more interesting, certainly. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously the, the, two, the, the top two won pretty comfortably at the, the weekend so business is as usual you'd think um, I mean it, it probably will in the end come down to the head to head record between Rangers and Hibs because um, I don't see 
either of them dropping too many points, um, you know, against the, the other teams in the league. Although, though, in saying that, the likes of Falkirk, Wraith Rovers, and, and Queen of the South, um, you know, certainly do have the potential to to be a match for them on their day. Um, but I think it will be the, you know, the games between the two. They've, they've obviously, um, you know, one one win each in the two meetings so far. So, um, you know, if, if Rangers can can have the the better of the the two games against Hibs that they've still to play, or vice versa, then um, it could have a, a huge influence on on where the title ends up. Definitely, I think the thing as well is Hibs have had their poor their poor bit of form in the season, uh, whereas now what they're I think at least ten games unbeaten in the league, maybe even eleven. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Rangers, sorry. Yeah, no, I don't know the exact number now, but um, I mean they had their blip at the start. They lost the opening game against Dumbarton. Um, I mean, if Rangers have only lost that one game against uh, against Hibs, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and I mean it's 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 certainly looking a lot uh, a lot more like a title race than it did even just a few weeks ago when it, it seemed as if Rangers were just romping that one. Absolutely, yeah. The, we'll see what happens though. Obviously, as you said, other teams can kind of take points off them, but it's whether Rangers can drop will drop points against anyone else but Hibs, um, which so far. It doesn't look very likely. No. Um, I was expecting a bit better from St Mirren this season, I would have to say. Um, <laughs> I mean, they've they've just had a disastrous start. It was quite an interesting one with uh, Mark Spaulding, the assistant manager, uh, being, being shown the door and Alex Miller coming in. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. A sign that uh, the, you know, Ian Murray is maybe, by his own admission, lacking experience in his backroom team. He's still a very young manager, and uh, although he did a great job at Dumbarton, um, perhaps just needing a, you know, a guiding number two. Um, that's that's I guess been the full course um, in football. I guess yeah. Alex Alex Miller's got vast experience both as a, a manager and a, a number two. So, um, I mean, I suppose that they'll be hoping that that can that can make some sort of difference. Definitely, I, the big thing that they're really struggling for is goals. Um, what they played thirteen games and only scored twelve in the league, which is pretty terrible considering they were obviously in the Premier League last season. So that's yeah. something they'll definitely need to address. That's right, yeah. I mean, I, I found it quite, I mean, almost worrying for them in a sense last season when when, they were, when the goals were, you know, few and far between. It seemed as if, you know, they were pinning all their hopes on, on Stephen Thompson returning from injury, um, you know, throughout, I suppose, large parts of the campaign when he was out injured. Um, he's a, obviously a very good player. Um, his... Uh, you know his link-up play and his his finishing is good, but you know he's he he is really getting on now. So they need they need to have a, a bit more by way of uh, by way of striking options there. Um, he's never been an out-and-out goalscorer really as well. I think no. he's maybe he, he gets into he maybe occasionally gets into double figures, but not like into the fifteens, twenties. It's more around about the kind of ten mark. Yeah, he's never been a, a Chris Boyd type at all. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's. Kind of worrying, worrying times for them because I mean they just seem to have been on the, on the slide really ever ever since the early part of last season, ever since that Tommy Craig appointment really, yeah, um, which went disastrously wrong for them. Uh, it just seems to have been a, pretty much a, a constant downward trajectory um, that they've found themselves on. It's not going to get any easier as well because uh, next stop they've got Morton, so another tough game because the last three they've had Rangers, Falkirk and Hibs so. You probably yeah. wouldn't have expected to get much out of that, but uh, the game against Morton could be could be big indeed. 
Yeah, just looking at the table, that bottom four seems to be getting really far detached, actually, from the, the rest of the league. Um, you know, you got Livingston, St Mirren and Dumbarton all tied on 10 points. Um, the next team above them is uh, is Morton on, on 19, which is that's nine points at that you know at this early stage in the season is quite a big difference between you know what you'd consider mid table and and the relegation zone particularly in a, a small ten team league like that definitely um, and Aloha looking really detached at the bottom they've only picked up one victory so um, yeah that's a few teams getting cut adrift there at an early stage yeah I think Aloha's the kind of big one they've had four losses in the so far in the well four losses in the last four games but five points so. Aye, it's not looking good for them. Danny Lennon needs to, to ad- I can address issues there, certainly. Um, yeah. Looking elsewhere in the league, we talked about with Rovers a wee bit earlier. They've stumbled a wee bit in recent weeks. Um, their home record's kind of been destroyed a wee bit. Where they've lost against Hibs and Falkirk, so they'll hope, be hoping to get back on track. Yeah. Um, in terms of competing for the playoff spot. Falkirk, though, good bit of form. They've won three in a row, so I think Falkirk will be definitely in the playoffs, but I don't think they'll... March, uh, Hibs and Rangers, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, uh, potentially between Wraith Rovers and Queen of the South for the for the final playoff spot, do you reckon? I think so, yeah. Um, Queen's have obviously been there the last two seasons. I mean, they've they've picked up a bit of experience on that front. But uh, I guess the, the one thing about them is it's quite a it's a relatively changed team. You know, they, they did lose a lot of players in the summer. And it's, a, it's a real credit to James Fowler that in his first full season as a manager, he's managed to keep them up. And you know, certainly at the right end of the league, um, he's you know looking like a a young manager with with real potential. Definitely, yeah, I think he, he's impressed a lot of people. I think even at times he's been maybe been discussed for like job like higher jobs, but probably too early. He's a bit off maybe staying at Queen of South for a wee bit. I think Time so. Yeah, establish himself. You don't want to maybe make their own career move. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes of benefit really for a for a young manager to to make the mistakes at perhaps a yeah a lower profile level. Um, you know. Paul Hartley, for example, uh, not that he made many mistakes when he was with Alloa, because they were they were top drawer really when uh, throughout his entire time they back to back promotions under him. But uh, I guess you know he he really cut his teeth in management with with Alloa, and uh, you know that, that allowed him to to go into the Dundee job with a, a really vast kind of knowledge and um, I guess kind of experience of the the lower leagues and also just what it's what's required to to be a manager. So. Yeah, it's been shown by the players he signed as well. We signed a lot of players in our leagues. Yes, I think um, that's just a sign. That's from probably all three divisions, actually. I mean, there's been a bit of a mixture there. Um, you know, he's certainly seems to have learned quite a lot, you know, during his apprenticeship, if you like, with, with Aloha. Yeah, aye, Aloha was a big one, yeah. But that probably covers the championship, I think. I don't think there's anything else really to discuss there. Not a great deal, mate. Probably move on to, we'll start with League 2, uh, League 2 is a league whereby we always talk about it, there's not much between <laughs> the, the top and the bottom. Uh, 10 points between Arden, who are at the top, and East Stirling, who are at the bottom. So, promotion candidate East Stirling, 10 <laughs> points off the top. And yeah, anyone. Relegate. <laughs> Annan, just, Annan just 10 points above the, the relegation zone, they'll be, they'll be worried. Absolutely, yeah. But it's, uh, it's amazing, because that's the same, that's only one point more than the difference between, uh, what, 6th and 7th in the Championship, and that's yeah. the full league in you know the the bottom tier. It's uh, it's remarkable, actually. Yeah, I mean, even I think the big thing as well was the teams at the top. No, none of the teams at the top can run a a string of victories together. 
Um, it's no. the teams, teams at the bottom that are actually doing a wee bit better just now. East Sterling, who we've kind of criticised a wee bit. Um, <laughs> they are actually three games unbeaten. And then you've got Sterling Albion, or four games unbeaten as well. So it's, anyone can beat anyone in that league. You just don't know what's going to happen from week to week. The main thing in that league is it's you know most teams are strong at home, um, and that obviously as a as a knock on effect of that most teams struggle to pick up points away from home. I mean that's certainly the case with Elgin who remain unbeaten at Borough Briggs. They've only dropped two points um, against Clyde a few weeks ago, um, but you know to, ba- to balance that out they've uh, they've only won once on the road. Uh, that was at our growth in the opening day. So. Um, uh, you know that that sort of form trend kind of goes um, right throughout the league, but it was a great result for Elgin on on, on Saturday. That was that certainly the that was game of the day at Borough Briggs. They they beat uh, Annan three two um, to narrow the deficit there to three points yeah. at the top. Uh, huge game that one for Elgin because it meant if if, if they had lost it against Annan, then they would have been uh, nine points behind them, which you know would be quite a quite a big deficit claw back but um, you know that, that that's a huge huge result for them it, you know takes them above a couple of teams into second place um, as as you say it's such a tight league that um, you know to the result against Annan was, was huge as well I mean they, they'd been four games four successive victories um, you know until that that, uh, that result I think Elgin are capable of going up yeah I would say so yeah they've um, they've they've added to to their squad quite impressively actually. Um, out with the transfer window, they've they've signed a couple of players with with top flight experience. Um, Thomas Riley, the former St Mirren striker, oh yeah yeah, was brought in a few weeks ago, and uh, just recently, just a fortnight ago, uh, Dylan Easton, who was released by St Johnston, came in, and he's already kind of been, you know proven to be a a crowd pleasing player, you know, he's he's an exciting attacking player with, you know, real creativity and um the fans at Elgin have really taken to him. And they've got a lot of loan players on loan uh, from from St Johnson. Jim Weir, obviously a former player at, at Saints, he's got a lot of contacts, you know, at the club. Um, and so he's um he's got three three players on, on loan from, from St Johnson, having had a couple on loan last season as well. So um and, and you know, on top of that, that you know, the, the signings he's made has augmented a, um, you know, a, a fairly solid and, and consistent bunch of players. I mean, look at Craig Gunn's goal-scoring record, for example. It's um, yeah, he's on eight now, isn't he? Yeah, and he's he's been the leading scorer at Elgin for a number of for a number of seasons on the on the trot. So, um, you know, they've they've got real a solid core of of local locally based players. Um, so it's it's looking good for them just now. Yeah, and certainly if they can keep that home record, uh, the unbeaten home record, going as long as possible, but you know maybe start to improve things on the road, then they're going to be certain um, promotion candidates. No, no question. Yeah, Gun might be a contender for the first goal score at the weekend. Yeah, he might be uh, one we've had him before. Well, yeah, I mean Elgin are down at uh, down at Broadwood, so um, yeah, no, that's that's certainly a a good shout. Craig Gunn's never a, a bad bet for the for the you know the charity at all. Always good for a podcast title as well. <laughs> We've been there before. We but, can we can't we can't recycle the banter. Oh, we'll try and get something new last week. Uh, uh, that probably covers League Two then. Uh, moving on to League One, 
still kind of interesting at the top. It's, it kind of looks like the top two are kind of pulling away a wee bit. Um, however, both of them failed to win at the weekend. Yeah. Air, Air were actually playing against the bottom of the table, breaking. Um, kind of could only come away with a one-all draw. However, there's 12 games unbeaten in like The only loss was at the opening day of the season when they lost Albion over 3-0. So, as long as they keep kind of picking up points, they'll be up there at the top. And then Dunfermline, uh, they only failed to score for the third time in the league that season. Um, however, back-to-back, that stem's not scored because they failed to score against Kildenbeath as well. Yeah. So they drew with Peterhead. No, no. It's quite surprising. You do expect goals with Ethan Fairman and Peterhead. With yeah. St. McAllister at Peterhead. So that, that was their big one is Forfer, who were doing really well, well in the season. Um, they've continued their poor form. They lost uh, 3-2 at home to Airdrie, who are now up to third place, Airdrie, which is pretty good for Airdrie. And... Uh, Strindor, they're struggling. You're usually last couple of seasons they've been team kind of up there near and about in the kind of playoff race, but that's their that was their fourth straight loss at the weekend. Uh, they lost two one to Stenhouse Muir. It's almost as if that that league's kind of been flipped on its head in many ways from what what you'd normally see there because Forfar, um, you know, as you say, they they reached the um, the playoff final last season. Um, I think didn't they? Yeah, I think they did. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they lost against Alloa, so um, you know they they were obviously they've been there and thereabouts for a, a few seasons. Breakin have been at the top of you know they've they've been in the playoffs uh, a couple of times. Stranraer, you know, a, a good team as you as you say. Um, Cowdenbeath, you'd ex- you'd have expected them to, you know, certainly be up near the the top of that league, having come down from the from the championship. Um, so it's uh, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's interesting. Look, looking like a really good battle at the top between Air and Air and Dunfermline. Definitely. Um, read a, there was a good piece with Ian McCall, which I think Graham Spears did earlier in the in the week. Um, he was just saying that he's kind of kind of regained his his love of football. Really, um, he's he's been waiting so long for his chance to kind of prove that he can still cut it after a you know a long long time out of the game. And um, you know his record with Air has been been phenomenal since he, he went in there. Um, obviously, they're a, a club that you you'll know well yourself, being from that neck of the woods. But uh... yeah, I've got I mean, not a few. I know a few are United fans, so I think they're pretty pleased with it this season. So anyway, uh, they they didn't enjoy last year at all. It was a terrible season for them. Yeah, so... but they were encouraging signs from the way they finished the season under McCall. Absolutely. Think, uh, yeah, definitely. So um, he just seems to have carried that into the, the new campaign and. Um, yeah, I mean to be to be sitting above a Dunfermline side that you'd think probably got got slightly more by way of resources. Um, you know, even I suppose despite the financial difficulties that they've had, um, you know, it uh, reflects very well on, on on the start that you know they've made. I think they've got a really. I think at AR certainly they've got a really good youth setup in terms of the kind of pro youth. So that's something whereby they should benefit over over time certainly. Um, yeah. But if looking at the, the Look at the odds in the league. Dunfermline are still regarded as heavy favourites. They are two to seven for the league, whereas eight or three to one. So quite interesting from the bookies there. Yeah, you'd still probably put Dunfermline down as favourites, but um, and, you know, as you know, we've highlighted there, they're both pulling away at the top of that league. I mean, Airdrie are the the next team in, in third place, but they're seven points adrift of of Dunfermline. So. Um, it looks like it's at this stage a kind of two horse race for for that title. Yeah, Albion, Mulvers, they deserve a bit of a mention. In terms yeah, of how how well they're doing after 
obviously last season get promoted by Darren Yonan's manager, good ex Aberdeen player. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I saw them um, at one stage last season. They they turned over Elgin at Borough Briggs four nil in a midweek game, and um, they just impressed me really with with their attack attacking force. Um, they seem to be a a really dynamic team. Um, I guess the one thing I noticed from the the table just now is, I mean, they they haven't scored that many goals, but they've they've been one of the one of the better defenses in the in the league. Um, they've, they've scored and conceded just. 14 goals, so um, no, they seem to have struck a, a good balance there. They weren't actually in action at the weekend. Their game against Cowdenbeath was postponed due to the waterlogged pitch at uh, Clifton Hill. But... Ah, it's on Tuesday. That's been kind of rescheduled right. for. Aye. Uh, I suppose the big, thing, the big thing about that in terms of you talking about how good they are defensively, that's where you a kind of good managers kind of build their team on, like having solid foundations. At least if you start that way, having been solid at the back, you can then develop in other areas up front in terms of getting more goals in the team so right. good stuff from there they're obviously in the playoff spots as well so see what happens there uh, that probably covers the, the lower league review so we can move on to the Premier Premier League uh, where should we start with the Premier League then well um, I mean it was a, a great result for, for Aberdeen getting back to, to winning ways again Um you know, after after their struggles of, of recent weeks, Absolutely. much against Dundee United, um, there was obviously a lot of eyes on that game. Given United had, although they were turned over by Hibs in the, the League Cup, they had returned to to winning ways in in the league the previous week against Ross County. So they were seen as being, um, you know, reasons enough for for renewed optimism under under Mixu Pat Linen, but. Um, no, it sounded as if you know Aberdeen from certainly from watching the highlights, Aberdeen were the, the dominant team in that game, and um, you know from the Aberdeen fans I've spoken to, it sounded like it, it was a lot. It looked a lot more like the you know the side that they've uh, they've come to know under Derek McInnes. So yeah, um, very pleasing. You know, the, I've got to say the performance of Johnny Hayes sounded like um, it, it made a, a huge difference. Sounded like he was the the catalyst for that victory, his second goal was Peter Weiresk. It was a joy yeah, to it was, watch. Yeah, it was classic. <laughs> uh, um, I think maybe what he's, McInnes has done there is he's gone back to basics with Brennan Flood back in. Made us a wee bit kind of harder to beat with Flood and Jack in there. And then what begin got left out after the Celtic game. I think quite a few people th- thought he should have been dropped. But I think I was a wee bit surprised now. He's always a, always good for an assist McGinn in terms of yeah. creating something. Yeah, I mean, it, sometimes it's it's important to freshen things up, and you know, one one player that had seemed to have kind of impressed a few people, um, you know, despite Aberdeen's slump, was was Peter Pollitt. Um, he seemed to have made a, a good impression in, um, in 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 a couple of games. He played against Motherwell and should have scored a couple of goals that day, but you know, he was getting into good positions. He was making good runs. Um, you know, he, he was unlucky not to score at Parkhead. The well, last last weekend, um, so yeah, I mean, he, there was perhaps a kind of call for him to to you know be be given his start and um, maybe McGinn his maybe the fact he was left on the bench is a reflection of you know just how many games he has played. It's been pretty yeah. constant for him, particularly with his international duties as well. So absolutely, um, yeah. I'm sure McInnes kind of meant it for the for the right reasons. Um, obviously. You, wouldn't wouldn't 
leave him on the bench if he um, if he didn't think there was someone that, that could come in and, and do the job just as well. So, um, you know, it's, it was just a, I'm sure, just a, a tactical decision. Certainly, yeah, it's probably a big season for Paul in terms of where he goes from here. He needs to kind of try and nail down a first-team place because he's been in and out of the team a bit this season and towards the end of last season. So, see what happens there. Uh, I was quite surprised at uh, Rooney's obviously been in out out the team, but he's actually got nine goals in the league. Yes, he's um, no, as you say, he's been out out the team. Um, it, well, in, in and out the team, pretty much until the the last few weeks. He, he seems to have been uh, kind of reinstated as a as Aberdeen's first choice striker. Um, the performances of of David Goodwillie in a number of games, even stretching back as far as the European run, uh, merited his inclusion, and you know he. Certainly didn't let the side down. Um, his performance at Tynecastle, for example, was a, an absolute joy to behold. But uh, there's no doubt Rooney is the more prolific in terms of finding the net um, of the of the two. And yeah, perhaps he had reasons to perhaps you know feel aggrieved at the fact that he wasn't starting more more often in recent weeks. Aye. Uh, it's a bit similar to last season, though, as well. I'd call it the start of last season. It was a bit, it was kind of a wee bit similar. Yeah, he was kind of in and out of the team, and then he kind of eventually it was kind of almost certain that Rooney would be starting up front. So, I uh, certainly did him no harm last season in the sense that he scored twenty-seven goals. But yeah, uh, yeah the fact he's on nine already without really going noticed, it's it's amazing. Um, yeah, he seems to have just sort of crept up the the goal scoring chart. Yeah, the um, one thing one thing about from the highlights though was. That much as we won 2 0, it didn't look like we tested the keeper enough. Though we were kind of back to maybe where we were in the start of the season where we were clinical. So I suppose it's, it's all right if we're not creating many chances, but we're even clinical. But you want to maybe create a few more chances, I think. Yeah. Um, it did look as if Aberdeen had the, the majority of the chances in the game, albeit there were there were one or two kind of dodgy moments. There was, there was a real chance for Scott Fraser in the first half, yes. which. Uh, emanated from a poor Ryan Jack pass. Um so I mean I mean maybe that was just a little bit of nerves coming into into it when it was still nil nil, but you know, you'll be hoping that uh, after that victory, you know, just getting that out of the way and going into the international break with at least a uh, I guess just a, a monkey off the back. It, yeah. it can it can bring about a real kind of renewed optimism and general freshness about about Aberdeen that, that's kind of just been uh, you know needed for several weeks now I hopefully can go on another run like we had at the start of the season that'd be nice so well the fixtures are quite favourable yeah it's a big I mean it's it's November's a funny month there's only three games in, in total um, due to the, the international break um, which is coming up this weekend so the the Dons finish the month with games against Hamilton and Ross County which um I mean, you'd you would expect um, you'd pr- probably expect to be taking points from from both of them, but you know they they are both sides that have found their found their way into the you know the top six this season, and um, yeah, you know they both have the potential to be really tricky games as well. But um, you know Aberdeen will expect to to take you know at, at least four points from from that sequence. I would I would say. Yeah, one thing about Hamilton, though, even though they're in the top six, they're actually five games just got a win, so hopefully that continues in the right. next game as well. So, see what happens there. Good stuff. Uh, probably move on to Hearts, I think. Yep. 
who are impressing. And I was quite surprised when I was watching sports and uh, a lot of, I know a few Hearts fans have always said that they're much as they score goals, the defence is a wee bit kinda of hit and miss. But they're actually the last four they've had four the last four they've won they've had four clean sheets. And someone mentioned on sports scene they've actually had seven clean sheets out of fourteen league games, which I was very surprised at. Yeah, solid foundations there. Um yeah, they've they've to be honest, they've been really impressive. Just they look a, a confident and resolute team. Um I've seen them a couple of times. I I kinda of saw them at the very start of the season, but then I caught them kind of briefly a couple of times during their, their what you'd call their, their poor patch of the, the campaign. They, they they were well beaten up at Inverness and uh, obviously Aberdeen put on a, a really good performance at Tynecastle. Um, but I then caught them again just a fortnight or so ago when they, they beat Ross County and, you know, they, they played a lot of that game with, with only the 10 men, but still... Um, you know, looked assured and you know accomplished in, in their victory. So, yeah, I mean, they've just been very impressive in the way they've, um, you know, not just the way that they've stepped up from the championship, but also shown a bit of kind of resilience to to bounce back from from a sticky period. And um, you know, they're they're now the the closest challengers to to Celtic. So um, yeah, I think the thing that always impressed me with RC Hearts is the they were the attacking numbers. There's always get kind of plenty of men going forward. They seem to have a wee bit of kind of depth up front as well, and certainly in the midfield positions. Yeah, Osman Osman So is, is a very impressive player to me. Um, you know, he just seems to seems to have a a bit of everything really. Um, he's, he's obviously quite a quite a physical. When I say physical, he's not not uh, not like a towering. He's a he's a big guy, but um, you know, he's not. Robust as, as such, uh, over robust is what I mean. But yeah, he's um, he's he's got goals and he's he's got a good turn of pace. Um, Sam Nicholson as a, a creative midfield player as well always impresses me. It's um, I guess it's some of the the players like Callum Patterson and Jimmy Walker who I like Jimmy were, Walker. Thank you. Yeah, they they're guys that were I suppose thrown into the um thrown in at the deep end a little bit in, in their last spell in the, the top flight but you know they, they've now got um you know nearly 100 games under their under their belt at first team level so um i guess they're they're now kind of developing into into experienced players and and so you know hearts are enjoying the, the benefits of that ah uh, yeah they've got about, you know, probably about four or five kind of players that have been there since you know youth ranks so yeah it's definitely Doing good for them. Uh, one thing as well, the new signer looks good. That is it, Doom. Doom, yeah, he made his first start against County the other week there, and uh, looked very impressive there. He's, I think, he's played every game since then. So, um, yeah, no, he's he's slotted in perfectly, really. Yeah, I think the other end with Hamilton, though. I think Hamilton seemed to struggle when we're without Crawford. That's one thing I would definitely can I say about Hamilton. He's he a very player. influential player. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he'll be there at the end of the season. Uh, he'll, he'll he does look like the next one that would that would move for for a good bit of money. Yeah, he's just he's just become the focal point of their team, hasn't he? Yeah, ah, he's a really good player. So I ah, probably kind of covers hearts in terms of they are uh, moving on to St Johnson. I can kind of going down the league here. So St Johnson, kind of, I think at the start of the season, a lot of people were kind of talking about them, saying, "Oh, they're, maybe it's a a season too much for for St Johnson." Yeah. However, 
uh, they've got five wins in their last six. Um, possibly coinciding with the fact that they know Tommy Wright's staying now. I think maybe, I don't know whether it was maybe a wee bit of uncertainty when he was getting linked with other jobs. But aye, they're in a fine run of form. The one thing about St. Johnson as well, um, they haven't failed to score in any league games this season. Uh, so if you're scoring goals, you're always going to have a chance. Yet, at the other end, whereby they've always been regarded as been quite a kind of solid defensive unit, they've only actually kept one clean sheet in the league this season. So there's always goals to <laughs> to be expected. Aye, good bet for both teams to score. If you, if you do have both teams to score coupon. Aye, of course. So the only clean sheet they would have kept would have been their, their 1-0 win up at Inverness, was it? Aye, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's, um, yeah, no, they've, I mean, they've they've shown great consistency for, for several years now. Um, yeah, interesting you mentioned Tommy Wright, you know, signing a new deal. Um, I guess he, he was, uh, appro- well, St. Johnson were approached by Dundee United um, about the, the vacancy. But to be honest, I mean, I, I think that's the, the first, time I've really come across Tommy Wright being being targeted by another team, he kind of seems to almost have been taken for granted in, you know, just the, the job he's done there. Yeah, he kind of goes under the radar, doesn't he? He does a wee bit, yeah, yeah. Um, so I suppose it would have been a new situation for St. Johnson to, to have to deal with, you know, with that sort of uncertainty. Um, but they're, you know, they, they, as a club, they handled it fantastically by getting them signed up until 2019. And uh, I mean, their their record since that new deal kind of just speaks for itself. Um, I think the thing with St. Johnson as well, they've got a good mix of youth and experience, or kind of, maybe not so much youth and experience, but uh, they've got some good experiences there. But then they've got, I suppose, like a while and Waterspoon are still maybe fairly young. Yeah, um, they've actually got some really good depth. I mean, like Chris John Kane, Sutton, for so. example, isn't getting much of a, a game just now. Yeah. Um, Chris Kane, I guess, is kind of tipped to be the, the next Stevie May, given that he's, um, you know, you know, he's always shown, you know, impressive knack for getting goals. Um, at lower league level, when he's been out on loan, he was at the Barton last season in a similar way to, to uh, you know, Stevie May going out on loan to, to Hamilton earlier in his career, and um, you know, he's always been pretty prolific at youth level. So um, he obviously did well to, to get the winner on. On Saturday there, but yeah, um, and then you've got O'Halloran back in the team. Yeah, he's a, he's a huge, huge player. Huge player. He's he's really starting to. He's getting a lot of recognition this season. Um, perhaps he'd he'd been, um, you know, I'm not saying overlooked in the past, but kind of um, wasn't regard maybe regarded in as uh, high an esteem as as he maybe deserved. Um, I've always thought he's he's been an excellent player. Um, you know, really... under... Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Uh, he's an under-21 international for Scotland as well. That's right, yes. He's now he's now being tipped to, to go and win a, a full cap, which would be great to see. Aye, he's a type of player, I think, that we're probably... That's where uh, Scotland probably needs some B-fixtures, B-team fixtures, because he's a kind of one of those players that would be ideal for that. Yes. In aye. terms of getting a run-out, which, in terms of the international fixtures in November, that's maybe something we could have looked at. Instead of having maybe full internationals, having a, a B-team fixture. And trying out some of the the Premier League players that can probably need looked at. It's not something we've we've done in a, a long time. Um, I remember sort of ten years ago we used to have B fixtures quite quite a lot. Um, there were a lot of players in that team that you you knew fine well were never going to make it all the way. But it was a good opportunity to kind of suss out, you know, who was 
aye, who was on the fringes of the of the team and um yeah, for players like O'Halloran, I'm sure they would thrive in that sort of atmosphere. But um I guess it's I mean, Gordon Strachan has shown in the past that he isn't afraid to, to bring along, you know, new blood when it comes to the, the squads and uh, I'm sure he'll certainly be on the on the radar now. Hopefully. One to certainly in terms of he's kinda of adaptable as well. He can kinda of play wide or up front. So it's a good option to have. Gotta say I like him wide. I think he's um he's got the real, he's got potential to to just terrorise fullbacks and um you know, cut inside, provide good crosses. Um I think I, I definitely see him as a an out and out winger as opposed to a you know, a number nine as such. Yeah. Uh, so that probably covers St. Johnson. Uh, Kamarnik, not much to say. In. They've been good in recent weeks, but I think St. Johnson fully deserved a victory <coughs> final looks at the highlights, certainly. Yes, aye. I mean, they're, um, certainly it's not the, the crisis that it looked like uh, several weeks ago when we had irate supporters uh, screaming their thoughts down <laughs> into the face of a, a camera and putting it on YouTube. So, yeah, um, I think most folk have seen that video yet. Aye. Uh, but, uh, probably moving on to Fur Park. You were there at the weekend, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah, this was a, an interesting one, actually. Um, I mean, the, the game's flashpoint was the, the penalty incident after 10 minutes. Uh, I don't know if you've, have you seen that yourself? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, i seen Mark McGee complaining about the, the retake of the penalty as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's something that you do see quite quite a lot. You know, you, any, I, I do get his point, any... Any penalty you watch, there is always likely to be encroachment, but um, it was just the the extent of it. Um, what I found interesting, though, was looking at the replay, it appeared that the, the player that was furthest forward was actually Miles Storey, the, the Inverness striker. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were a couple of Motherwell defenders that were that were nearly, you know, in, in a similarly advanced position. But, Aye, I mean, Storey was that close, he could have had a penalty himself. Uh, just about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean the, the, the Motherwell defenders could argue that they were just tracking the run off the Inverness striker. But um yeah, I mean it, it couldn't have worked out any well, in terms of controversy, it couldn't have been any 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 worse really in, in the sense that Tansy missed the original one but but netted the, the, the second attempt. So um well, that kind of set it up to be a really tasty encounter after after that because the, the home fans were, were livid. Um to be honest, I, just from having watched just how far forward the you know the, the players were, I think the referee or the linesman, um, whoever made the call, they were right to to probably bring it back for encroachment. They, you know they they were right to spot that. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was the fact it was Story who was the the furthest forward that um, kind of it just confused matters in a in a way for me, but. I think it's just the rule is that if any player encroaches in, then it has yeah. to be retaken whether it's the attacking or defending teams. Yeah, and obviously it would be a completely different argument if um, you know if, if Tansy had scored originally, then obviously Story being furthest forward would um, would be the player protesting if uh, um, you know if, if the referee ordered a, a retake. Um, yeah. So it, per, perhaps the the fact that the penalty was missed should be regarded as immaterial. But um, I thought from that point on, Inverness did really well to kind of take take grip of the game. Um, Motherwell had chances here and there, but I just thought Inverness were really assured and they were good for their win for me. 
uh, wee bit of good fortune for their, their second goal. It was a, a fairly big deflection. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the third goal was just an absolute joy to behold. Um, that's real goal of the season material from Ian Vigers against his old club. Aye, it seemed to be, he's kind of, kind of lost, his kind of career went a wee bit wayward the last couple of seasons since he left uh, Ross County, but now he's yeah. back in the Highlands, he's getting first team football again. Didn't really work out for him at Motherwell, no. he had a decent enough first season, but um, last year was disappointing for him, he missed most of the, well certainly the latter part of the campaign uh, with a, a back injury, but um, he's, again, he's kind of, he's been slow to, to get going again with Inverness this season, he's not really nailed down a regular place. Um, he's had a couple of niggles as well and obviously came into the, well, signed up for the team a good couple of weeks into the into the season. So he he was already lagging behind in terms of match fitness. He, he actually played a couple of games as a trialist with Inverurie Locos. Um, yeah, I think you mentioned games. that in the season, season. early on in the season, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting, you know, given the, I suppose the the trend of, of players who've kind of gone stepped down from Premiership football to to the to the Highland League, you know, it was interesting to see if he was going to follow that path. And if he had done, he would have been one of the youngest to do so because he, he's still only twenty seven, Vigors. Uh, whereas the likes of Richard Britton and uh, Stuart Kettlewell, um, Totley is he? Ross Totley, yeah. Um, I mean, Paul Lawson's another one. These guys are all in their thirties. Uh, but Vigors is still, you know, you could argue he should be hitting the peak of his career. Um, he's a very talented player. Uh, so, no, I really hope he kicks on from, from here because he, like I say, he's got real real talent. And, uh, uh, you know, as, as you touched on briefly there, does seem to be kind of at home in the Highlands. He, he had a good spell with Ross County. He's obviously crossed the divide twice because he... Um, set out with, with Inverness after initially signing from Elgin um, so he, he kind of had his first taste of top flight football with Inverness but then um, left under Terry Butcher to join the, the big north rivals so yeah. um, he's, he's enjoyed he's enjoyed winding up the the, the opposing sides of that divide uh, whichever one he's been uh, playing for Aye it's a big one for Inverness at the weekend though because they were they're starting to struggle a wee bit. They were Can't... toiling a bit, yeah. They'd gone four games without a win. And that result actually, although it only moves them up one place, it moves them above Kilmarnock. But interestingly, they're now just a point behind Dundee, Hamilton and Ross County. Yeah. So a point off fifth, which is, uh, you know, again, just highlights how tight that mid-table zone is. And uh, there, there might not be, you know, very much determining who finishes in the top six. Yeah. It's... Could be couple of teams that miss out by, by just a fraction so um, Inverness is still well and truly in there Keeps things interested anyway is, uh, is Warren like to be back at all this season? Gary Warren has played as a sub in the last two games oh, he's, he's oh, kind of right. worked his way back to fitness but he's, I don't think he's ready to start games again um, that's that's huge he's, he's a massive figure for them um, really right. impressive defender so um, the sooner they can get him back in the, in the starting lineup, the, the better because he's, he's you know, just a hugely impressive defender. The the real long term ones at Inverness are well, Dean Brill, the goalkeeper. Um, he's been out ever since the the knee injury he got against Celtic uh, last season. It's the Gary Mackay Stephen challenge at Inverness, if you remember that one. Right, yeah. Uh, and Aaron Doran's the other one. He's um, 
certainly not expected to return to training until um, February. So he's uh, he's out with a knee injury. But um, yeah, ton- Oops, sorry. Either a ton of Warren will certainly help because Edward has only kept two clean sheets this season. So yeah, he's, he's missed pretty much the majority of the the campaign. He op- injured on the the opening day of the the league season. So. Um, yeah, it's good that he's he's back because he was he was out with a, a broken leg. Um, the, the, I mean, it was the oh, I can't remember. I'm getting my is it the tibia or the fibula? Aye, I'm not There's quite sure. Of, yeah, <laughs> I, think the, I think I think the tibia is the the bigger bone, and the the fibula is the the smaller one that's underneath. And it was the smaller one that's underneath that he that he broke. So yeah, it wasn't. You know, if you're going to break your leg, he did it. The kind of the, the lucky way, if you if you know, what I mean, um, wasn't ever going to be a a break that was going to keep him out for. I mean, it was three months he was out for, so yeah, um, it wasn't going to be a season ender for him. But um, he's still done well to to work his way back to fitness because that would have been a uh, distressing time for him. Oh, he's a fresh injury scare as well with Christie. I noticed he went off in the first half. Yeah, still kind of awaiting news on that because uh, that puts him that makes him really really doubtful for for Scotland under twenty ones game against Ukraine. Yeah. This week, um, so we should. Well, Scotland under twenty ones are doing press tomorrow, so we should find out if he's going to be going to be part of that uh, that camp. Yeah, the other thing as well is the fact that Inverness are still running with less than seven subs on the bench as well, so they're still yeah, short numbers. They are. Sometimes that could be, I don't know, just a, a ploy from from a manager to maybe bargain for a little bit more backing from from the board. I mean, that's something that John Hughes hasn't exactly. Um, shied away from trying to trying to beg for really from uh, negotiations and uh, you, you know with this new contract that that's looming, um, he's obviously made it quite clear that he um, you know he does want a little bit more by way of guarantees that he can keep players and uh, you know on longer deals, having lost a lot of key figures in the in the summer, um, probably wants wants a little bit more backing in terms of being able to bring players in as well so um, sometimes kind of leaving a couple of spaces on the bench draws a little bit more attention to you know the, the lack of numbers than than you know is, is true of the squad yeah. I'm sure he could quite easily draft in a couple of youngsters to, to fill the spaces but uh, sometimes it can be a a, wee, a cutting plan a wee, yeah uh, an underlying message to the chairman <laughs> Uh, uh, well, I kind of games to cover on Saturday is Dundee and Partick Thistle, but I don't think there was much to really talk about there. Um, no, it was a good good fight back from Dundee late on. Um, obviously, they've not won in a, in a few weeks themselves, have they? Yeah, they without winning. Well, the last four, they've had three draws and a loss, so they, they've not won for a while. It's uh, Aberdeen's bogey team as well, of course. Yeah, aye. you just you just know that they'll. Find, find their form again when they play the Dons. I hope hopefully not. Um, <laughs> but I still still very inconsistent indeed. But the the one thing that they've got going from certainly is goals in their team. It's just at the back they kind of they're licking goals. Um, they're actually only Kilmarnock and Dundee United have conceded more than Dundee this season in the, in the Premier League. So I that covers the fixtures from Saturday and then Sunday we had the the game between Ross County and Celtic where I thought. Ross County might have had a chance of taking points off Celtic, but no, eh, no joy there. 
<clears throat> no, I mean it, they obviously county changed their their style a wee bit from from normal. Um, they sacrificed one striker to go with an extra man in midfield, um, and it's kind of the only time they've really done that since the opening day against Celtic. Jim McIntyre's been pretty constant with the four four two, which has brought them really good results of late. But um, I guess he. He was wary of the threat that Celtic could pose at any given stage, and for the you know for most of the first half, I felt you know their their game plan worked out well. Celtic weren't really threatening too much; yeah, they they weren't ever under a sustained kind of flurry of pressure. Yeah, then uh, Boyce had that big chance. Well, Boyce had well that was the the first clear cut chance of the game, which he should have buried, um, which you know it would have made things interesting. There's no guarantee that you know Celtic wouldn't have come back and uh, you know could have you know if, even if County had taken the lead within the opening 10 minutes Celtic would still be more than capable of turning that around but um, it could have made things a lot more interesting that's for sure yeah um, but no it seemed to be mainly shots from distance that that um, that Celtic were restricted to in the first half um, they weren't getting many on target and then Rogic tried his luck and oh, schema Aye, there was just no stopping that one. So, um, bit of a blow for County to go in one 0 down at half time. But um, the second half, the, the quality of the, the finishing from Griffiths was uh, was immense, and that ended up making it a very comfortable afternoon for for Celtic. Aye, Griffiths has just got wonderful composure. Like when he's in the box, it's it's as if he's got all the time in the world, even if there's yeah. def- defenders in front of him. Uh, probably. It's not often I do this, but I actually need to give James Forrest a bit of praise because he actually looked as if he was almost unplayable in the second half against Ross County. Yeah, he had a great game. I mean, I gave man of the match to Rogic, who I felt was the, the kind of pioneer of the, um, you know, the attacking play in terms of you know supplying the the, the attackers. But uh, Forrest, for a a good lengthy spell in the, in the second half, was um, yeah unplayable as as you say he. The third goal, uh, Griffith's second for that matter, was all up down to Forrest. I mean, he yeah. just left. He left Scott Boyd for dead, and then worked his way into what you could say was a shooting position. But then supplied a beautiful assist for Griffiths, who couldn't miss. Yeah. Um, been... No, so he's he was he was unlucky not to score just a few minutes after that as well, actually. So um, now he he was another very very impressive performer. Uh, he's been criticised obviously a lot for in terms of he can go by players, that's not a problem, but his final ball, but his final ball with Sunday was, was really good. Yeah, so, th- th- there's definitely a, a really good player there. Um it's I guess he's never really shown it for, for Scotland as such. I've I've never really been no. that impressed with him for Scotland, but um no, I, I certainly I certainly rate what he's capable of. Um it's just a case of delivering it on a little bit more of a, a regular basis. Yeah. Um Kind of moving backwards, uh, probably the Celtic, uh, Celtic game against Mould. I think there was a wee bit. Of, some people were a bit surprised that he never started. For us. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose Chris Commons was um, was was the one who who got the nod there, but he was withdrawn at half time with a with an injury in in that game, and as a result, missed missed the match on Sunday against County. Um, so it's. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, Forrest came on at half-time in, in the game, but never really made a, a telling impact on it, to be honest. 
was a it went down as another disappointing night in in Europe for for Celtic though. Yeah, it leaves leaves them with everything to do really to to qualify for the knockout stages of the Europa League. Yeah, I think they certainly need to win the last two to have any chance. Yeah, winning in Turkey would you know take some doing, of course. But uh, I suppose just the, the fact that they've they've lost two games against you know a, a side that's sixth in the, the Norwegian league, um, it's you know, kind of leaves them with so much to so so much by way of a missed opportunity. You know, considering that I didn't actually think you know they they outplayed them at any stage. You know they. They, they were just very organised and uh, certainly much more organised than Celtic were. But they, they had quite a quite a rigid game plan, and um, you know they've they've ended up taking maximum points from their their two matches with Celtic. So um, I think it was the same in both games at Malta. They kind of very yeah kind of strict game plan and it's paid off. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, they've qualified now, haven't they? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah they, they only well they went into that that game against Celtic needing only three points from the last three games and they managed to get them in the first of those. So, Aye, said um, it to them because they were expected to be the, the team that probably finished bottom. But the whipping boys, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's, um, no, it's been a, a great campaign for them. But um, perhaps the you know just a sign that the, the three favourites, if you like, have, have all kind of got problems because uh, I remember when the draw was made, there was a lot of remarks made to how people felt it was almost like a Champions League draw yeah. in the Europa League, but perhaps this has kind of laid bare why these three teams aren't in the Champions League. Absolutely. Because, um, I mean, none of them look to be sort of anything like the, you know, what people were expecting of them uh, ahead of this group, so. I, I don't think, I think at Fenerbahce does a bit of kind of fighting in the camp, I think. Yeah. Sign of Van Persie, I don't think he's settled in there. No. He seems to think he's too good to sit on the bench. So and then you obviously got Nani there as well, who's another one that I don't think his attitudes ever been the best. No, no. So um, no, it was a it was a hugely disappointing night for for Celtic. Um, once again, uh, I mean, I just I felt they, they looked suspect just about you know every time Mulder swung in a corner or attacked, you know, Celtic just looked really really hesitant at the back and you know were struggling to deal with quite simple. Um, Kind of defensive situations, so um, yeah. To be honest, I mean, I saw signs of that on Sunday as well. At times, just crosses into the box that it didn't look particularly comfortable with. Oh, I was, um, yeah, I was thinking it's that same. They're looking last night with Boyata and Ambrose, just yeah, dreadful. And without it being constant county pressure, you know, any time they did get a, an occasional glimmer, they just didn't deal with it, and um, you know. If, the fact, boy, the amount of space Boyce was in for that free header, um, you know, he really should have hit the hit the target with with that one. But um, I mean, it was just it was glimpses. It kind of just almost points to a lack of concentration because I guess they maybe don't expect to be under, you know, under pressure. Certainly in domestic terms, yeah. anyway. Um, you know, there are there look to be big problems there. That's for that's for sure. I Craig Gordon continues to save them. On occasion, I think he had a couple of really good saves yesterday. Uh, yesterday. He did, yeah, he had a great save from Jackson Irvine, which um, a county's best spell came just after Tony Dingwall scored. Uh, what turned out to be a consolation, but county kind of mounted a, a decent spell of pressure just after that, and um, Irvine could have made it three-two. Uh, at which point, you know, there were still twenty minutes to, to play at that stage, and um, that would that could have been 
really interesting if, if County had managed to, to add a, a second goal, but um, wasn't wasn't quite to be. As soon as near Beaton scored the, the fourth goal, that was that was game over. Yeah, uh, that nicely links us up to the the League Cup draw this afternoon in terms of talking about Ross County and Celtic. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, both sides will um, kind of know what to expect. That's very fresh in the in the memory after yesterday's game. But yeah, um, yeah, I suppose it's it's from County's point of view, it's, it's probably the the game they they wanted to avoid. I um, you'd maybe rather do have them in a semi. I think they may be a bit more vulnerable in the earlier stages of the, the comp- competition as opposed to a final. Yeah, perhaps it's inevitable that you're going to have to face them at some point if you're going to go all the way, but. Um, I'm sure they'd have preferred one of the other two and maybe looked for the other team to, to take care of Celtic. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to to kind of uh, to look too far into the, the draw. At, at That's this so far away, yeah. It's so far away, yeah. So much can change. Um, it comes the weekend of the 30th and 31st of January, which means that there's a full transfer window ahead. So um you know, all sorts of things could have could have happened by then. Um, but I suppose County will be looking to take a bit of inspiration from what Inverness did last last season. Yeah, um, they obviously had to had to beat Celtic in the semi final. The last time Ross County played in a semi final was, uh, of course, their their famous victory against Celtic in the, the Scottish Cup. Well, you had the lucky charm for the Island teams anyway. So, well. Uh, for one, for one Highland team so in terms of cup success, anyway, they give Ross County a turn this season. They, they, they need to give County a turn. Yes, exactly. Just be fair. Uh, the other tie looks interesting though because someone only to give there because Hibs in four ties they've not conceded a goal, and St Johnson have won. They've also played two ties because they were in Europe early in the season. They won yeah. their games three one. So someone's got to give there. I think that'll be a kind of really good tie. That that does have the makings of a really good tie. Um, I think Hibs are a real dark horse in this competition. Um, there, I mean, the chances are, as we were talking about earlier, you, obviously we feel like they've got over the worst of their their form at the start of the season. Um, you would expect them to maintain a, you know, a pretty good degree of of consistency, and you would fancy them to be in a, a pretty confident mood going into that semi final, regardless. Whereas, I mean, St Johnson are doing fantastic. You know, fantastically well just now, but um, you know, the, uh, coming unstuck in the Premiership than than there is Hibs in the in the Championship. So, um, no, that that has the potential to be. Uh, they should both be. Will be played. Would you Would you go Hamden for for that one or for Hibs and St Johnson? Be a case for Tynecastle maybe. Maybe Tynecastle. I think or... that might one might get played that unless maybe they put it at. But they put it Petardre. Maybe more one of the done, or maybe even Tannadice. Don't know. Difficult to say. Hi, I'm Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Uh, the only thing really we've got left to discuss is the charity bit, uh, where, as we said earlier in the podcast, there's not any Premier League fixtures to to look at. So we've just got the ten lower league fixtures to consider. In terms of, we always use that anyway for our first goal scorer bit, but we need to use that certainly for our. Um, Accumulator, or whatever we decide to have. Shall we start with the first goal score a bit? And see I what, think so, yeah, yeah. What we think maybe he could jump out. Um, there's one that possibly could spring to mind that I'm looking at straight away, and that's in the Championship. Yes. John Baird. Aye. 
Well, right. given who they're playing, yes. So <laughs> that certainly one I think could be good. We won't have odds yet because the McBookie don't yet release odds for the first goal scorer bets in the lower leagues. Um, anything else that springs to mind in the lower leagues? Well, I mean, looking at another couple of games in, in that division, um, Wraith Rovers at home to St Mirren. Is there anyone in the in the Wraith team that you'd think would be worthy of a, a mention there? Not sure. The one thing about that, Fitcher, is Wraith have kind of slipped up in recent weeks. Right. So I'm not sure whether maybe yeah. look at that fixture. Spoke well about the possibility of gun at Elgin, but then you say that the away teams in League Two don't do that well, so No, no, exactly. So um, whether that's one maybe we'd want to avoid then Air, maybe? Yeah. Um they've got Jordan Preston that scores a few for them. But I don't know whether they've got anyone that's they've got Moore as well, but they've probably not got anyone that's like that out and out. Yeah. One of the uh, top players. I mean, if, if, if you fancy John Baird, then I'm happy to, to go along with that. Shall we just go with that, right? Yeah, I think we should, yeah. Well, that uh, sounds good to me. Okay, so we'll go with John Baird of Falkirk, who are home to Arlow on Saturday for the first goal scorer bet. And we need to then look at what we're going to do in terms of double or treble or what we should do. Whether we should maybe just stick to our double after all the success that Craig and Craig had last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that that sounds good to me. Um, happy to err on the side of caution with that one. Um, instantly jumping out at me is the Petrofac Cup semi-final, Queen's Park, Peterhead. I uh, would fancy the Blue Toon to negotiate that one as the League One side. Was that played in the weekend, this weekend? That's coming up this weekend, yeah. What is it? Aye. I wasn't caught up in McBookie's fixtures. All right, so... Oh, well, that, that won't do them. <laughs> uh, no, we can still use them, but uh, I wonder why that's not coming up. But we could still put we could still put PR maybe in if we that'll think. Mean, well, that'll mean you won't get odds on them if it's not appearing, though. I know, but if I don't know, it's maybe just have a look at Scottish football and then all the fixtures are showing, but it's not showing the picture really? fat cup for some reason. Um, mm. We'll see. We'll look look at the other games and see if there's anything that comes up. Aye, uh, what what would Dunfermline? Oh, Airdrie Orange Dunfermline looks like a. Good one, actually. That's any anything jumping out at you there? Well, Dunfermline are five to four. Oh, um, that's good for an away win, yeah. Which is um, decent for an away win. If we wanted to go for the top two in League One for a double, yep. um, interesting enough, in League One, it's the top four that are all playing each other. Yeah, I noticed that actually. Yeah. So that's we're getting slightly better odds there. So I Dunfermline at five to four, and you've got eight at home to Albion Rovers, who are four to six. Right whether we'd want to do that for in terms of the top two and we did say that the two of them are pulling away aren't pulling they pulling away a wee bit and they're, they're both eager to get back to winning ways after slipping up at the weekend so um, so that certainly could be a tasty wee double because yeah. we don't really like League 2 in terms no of no don't don't touch League 2 with a barge pole backing teams and then you've got Kilner Beat and Breakin who are both struggling and then you've got Stenhouse and Forfer who uh, not that, much to give there really shall we just then go for the double I'm up for that, yeah. In yeah. and air. I like that. Yeah. Right, let's just yeah. see what that double would pay. Um, obviously, we don't get our ten pounds stake back, but five to four and four to six. So let's just see. It's not going to be a massive return, but it'll be alright. No, no, but you can only gradually add to the pot. Exactly. A win's a win. <coughs> so ten pound on that. 
twenty-seven fifty profit would make, which I like the look of that. So I, I think we'll go with that then. Yeah, that was nice and what, easy. What can go wrong? Aye, exactly. So that's us got John Baird, Falkirk at the first goal scorer against Alloa, and then we've got Fermline at five to four and eight at four to six as the charity bets. Um, that probably should conclude the podcast. I don't think there's anything else we really want to cover. Can't think all. of anything else at all now. No, no. Uh, it's only going to give a brief mention to Glasgow City women's team. Uh, they beat Hibs yesterday 3-0 and won the, the treble. So, uh, well done to them. That's their fourth treble that they've they've won. Um, the first under Scott Booth. It's, out, it's done. Got to get that in. Hi. So, no, I think that should be us. Uh, hopefully, you've enjoyed listening. Uh, I've enjoyed my first time hosting the podcast anyway. Is that, is that a first for you? First for me, aye. Debut. Oh, good stuff, aye. So Excellent. that's been good. Um, the transition has been seamless. Exactly, aye. I was, I, I was kind of contemplating what to start the podcast with. I went for the, the kind of musical theme, but I did contemplate Andy and me saying about a stand free. Uh, but I thought that might not go down well with most of the supporters that are listening. So. Uh, but no, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming on, Andy. Always a pleasure. And we'll talk to you next week. Cheers, goodbye. Oh, all the best. Cheers.